invite you to turn your attention to the book of Galatians in the New Testament, the sixth chapter, and it's long, I know, 16 verses. Listen for the word of God as it comes to us from the book of Galatians, beloved. My friends, if anyone is detected in transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourself are not tempted. Bear one another's burden. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work, then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share it in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at the harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. See what large letters I make when I am writing in my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised, only that you may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law. They want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, Peace be upon them, and mercy upon the Israel of God. Beloved, this is God's word for us today. Thanks. Let me start first off by saying it's a joy to be back with you all. Great news about an interim and a wonderful person and all the joys. Um, I hope that also those of you who are able can join us here on Friday at 10 o'clock as we remembered a real, both his wife and him, John, what I understand to be pillars of this congregation. Many, many years of wonderful service. And as, as Matt said, we'll do the service and then intern part of the ashes here in your garden with his wife and then off to a place that I don't even know where I'm going, but somewhere where we'll do the interim. Um, it is also just, I'm mindful that as a Presbyterian, the General Assembly of our denomination is in session, 
and that that means there's elections that have been for two wonderful women. I know one of them quite well. Ruth Santana was in New York with me for many years. She's now part of the team of co-moderators of our denomination. I hope that you'll have a chance to hear one or both of them. I know Ruth is in Philadelphia as the executive presbyter. She's fabulous. And I know that there's also a lot of hopes and joys about what comes when we gather nationally, regionally, locally. And so it's in that sense of the joy of what it means to gather on this weekend, especially this particular weekend, the fourth. I have not preached a sermon on this weekend in years, for whatever reasons. And some of you might say, this might be the last one you ever should do, too, after you end up hearing what I'm going to say. <laughs> but in all of that, beloved, let us join together in prayer. Let us pray. Center us down, almighty God, in gospel and in the work of Galatians. And in the work of this wonderful congregation, Western Springs Presbyterian Church, send your spirit that we might open our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our souls, that by spirit and joy and leaning into each other that we might learn anew what it means to become new creation and that we indeed might invite others into the joy of this beloved fellowship. So may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, all of this be acceptable to you. And then by spirit, we might be changed, transformed, to receive communion, to come around table, to sing, to laugh, cry to dance. For all of this we give thanks. In Christ's name. Amen. I have the joy of helping seniors in the class that are to graduate a year from now write public reflections. Faculty nominate to me 38 students that will write weekly uh, text out of wherever they want to from the chapel. And it, it runs the gamut. But it ends up that I end up getting to work with these amazing people that I would not ever have a, any interaction with often. I know a lot of them. But one of them in particular called this week to banter her reflection with me. She was raised in a church. I won't say which one. She drifted away. And then she was captured by a non-denominational church. Music, more contemporary, uh, no robes, uh, younger people. Um, she always says, but we love you, Scott, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Ancient dinosaur. Anyway, she starts rattling on about what she wants to, she's got these different things that she wants to write about. And one of them is psychology, her major. One of them is isolation, because all of us know what that's been like for the last couple years. But she then starts talking about her faith. And my little ears go up, of course. And she's talking about Jesus. Now, you would expect this, especially because of someone who comes out of a non-denominational church, and the focus of that. And that usually, and I'm showing my prejudices now, I'm saying, okay, Scott, here we go. We're going to kind of veer into more conservative. It's fine. 
And she's talking about the joy of her faith, which I love and want her to try to integrate into her senior reflection for the whole campus. Wednesday at 8 a.m., they all go out to the whole campus. And then out of the blue she goes, and you know, my sister just got married two weeks ago to this amazing woman. And I was a part of that. I was her maid of honor. And there was so much joy. I want to have that day again, that same feeling of joy. And of course, I'm kind of non-denominational. You don't usually put same-sex marriages together. This young woman, 21, wanted to talk about the joy of what her sister had found. I, of course, asked, where did you do the wedding? Well, we couldn't do it in our non-denominational church. They don't support this. But we got married up in St. Charles at this beautiful resort, which I know. It's right on the lake, and it's beautiful. I've had lunch there. And she just couldn't say enough about what it meant. And she talked about how scripture, reason, tradition, those things are caught and trying to work out, but it's her sister, and there was so much joy and love that the gospel was about love. In some ways, she represented a new creation. She represented, coming up through a church, I won't say which stripe, because we all have them, all the stripes, and she was captured by the love of Christ and had become a new creation, even though she loves the non-denominational church that she goes to that wouldn't do her sister's wedding. But she's there today, I know, at that church. The Galatians text is this convoluted up and down, but when you scratch deeper and deeper, what you see is circumcision versus uncircumcision. Who's in, who's out. And Paul, whom you might remember, was Saul and had that experience of Christ on the road and turned by blindness into a convert, the famous convert of the church history. The Galatians text is actually leading us through who's in, who's out. I've been accepted because of Christ's interaction with me, Paul, to, in the middle of the Galatians sections, about how all believers, all, doesn't matter, circumcised, uncircumcised, who's in, who's out, to our text today. Our text today is a radical shift because it's not about us only, it's about the whole cosmos, that God is actually trying to create something new, a new creation completely new. Well, this is good news. At least it is how I listen to it and when I listen to this young woman and then when I watch what's going on. When I think about our own assembly, the general assembly of our denomination, the Presbyterian Church, when I think of the other denominations that I worry and think about, certainly the Methodist, certainly the United Church, certainly the Episcopal Church, we have a line within our tradition that is bedrock. The church reformed, always reforming. It is the root by which we understand our own sense of focus, our own sense of brokenness, our own sense of breaking away, 
and always needing to be going back to the text to ask what needs to change. Where is the new creation at Western Springs or in Scott Matheny or at Elmhurst? Where is that new creation? And of course, jokingly, when I ran this by my friend that I mentioned in the children's time, she said, oh, don't forget weddings. Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. That somehow in new creations, stories start to change. The story of each of us, the story of this congregation, the story of Chicago. Pope Francis writes this about stories. It is not a matter of simply telling stories as such or of as advertising ourselves, but rather of remembering who and what we are in God's eyes, bearing witness to what the Spirit has written in our hearts and has revealed to everyone that each of us contains marvelous things. What a message to say that each of us, you, me, each of us contains in our own story marvelous things to share, to talk about, to tell. Like this young student that's not sure what she's going to write, but telling her story about her sister. And what a marvelous thing she said with love and joy. Stories that contain marvelous things are personal stories of transformation, a new creation, a new job, a new relationship, death. Even in death, the story of that marvelousness about what the amazing elder that we'll lay to rest and turn to Almighty God on Friday here is about. The gatherings in Galatians are really about this movement, and I hope that you catch this. It's very personal with Paul, into the collective all, into the cosmos, into all of creation, and that God is specifically thinking about me and you individually, but all of us, and the great creation, God's creation. And that they are, as my friend said, always about stories of freedom, Stories of freedom that have to do with choices that each of us has to make. Two weeks ago was Juneteenth. I preached at a congregation, and a lot has been written about how Juneteenth and tomorrow, July 4th, are opportunities for all of us to talk about what independence and freedom mean. There is a two-week window where we get to say, thanks, God, that we live in this nation, that we have independence, that we have freedom, that so many sacrificed and gave their lives, that we would have these opportunities to do this. And in the midst of those two weeks, there's been some other things that have gone on. Last Sunday was Pride Sunday. I took 40 students and staff down to downtown, we always do, and go through on the parade. And it's amazing because of what it represents. The Chicago Pride Parade is a part of the larger pride ceremonies, is a part of the larger movement of trying to become free, independent, and open. Does this create tensions? Oh, does it ever? And we as a denomination have fought over this stuff for years. But just think historically what you're looking at in two weeks 
ago to now. And I'm inviting us, all of us, myself included, to use this moment as an opportunity to think about independence and freedom. And oh yes, there's been other things that have been dropped on us by the Supreme Court these last two weeks. All of that is tied to this notion of where are we with emancipation and freedom and independence and the freedom that Christ gives to create a new creation. And so I'm inviting you all to reflect over these next days about that two-week period and the patriots, the stories of freedom, the struggles of freedom, the ups and downs, because these are social movements. They're classic sociological, historical social movements. We who represent in the Revolutionary War, independence, the Civil War, the Emancipation Act, Juneteenth, Pride, the discourse that the Supreme Court has been in the midst of with abortion. And now we sit on Sunday on the cusp of the fourth. Stories of freedom, our own nation's story, and you all probably were drilled into, the older ones were like I was, freedom from, freedom for, freedom to. And they pushed, what does freedom mean? And that's the civics class. The religious church class is another conversation. The Galatians text is trying to help us understand because we know that the division was deep. Those who were circumcised, those who were not. Who's in, who's out. And the church was caught in that in the first century. And out of that came this movement of spirit, of Pentecost, of all these people speaking in all languages and none that were understood, and that the spirit was moving to create something new. And so the stories that Pope Francis invites us to talk about share marvelous things, marvelous things. They are at the heart of stories of salvation. They are at the heart of the stories of connectedness, of lived lives that are not fake, they're real. And so Luke actually helps us. The Gospel of Luke actually helps us because it's, it's in the midst of what is obviously the commissioning and sending out. Some texts say 70, 72 in our text today. But whatever the number is, and they were sent out in pairs because it was clear that they understood that there was going to be strife. And it was to try to work together to understand and support and care for each other. We often interpret that unfortunately, in the context of marriage, of partnering. But it's much bigger. So I guess that one of the things that I left with this morning or thinking about as I left home is, how are we commissioned today? And how is God commissioning each of us to do the good work? And who are we pairing up with? Who is our partner? They're big questions. But I think that each one of you knows about who you're partnering with. And if you don't, we can help and spend some time and talk about that. That's what the 
best of the churches, helping partner. And commission, each of us is commissioned in ways that we do the traditional commissioning of laying on hands of ordination, but bigger. Because our denomination especially talks about the commissioning of the priesthood of all of believers. All of us are given a unique, special role with marvelous things to say and gifts to give. And when we step back and start to acknowledge that and invite others to say, what are your gifts? Where are you loved? Where do you find joy and passion? And you can help a broken world that all of us have had to listen to, with the door, especially with the Supreme Court's decisions these last weeks. Some joyful, as some would say to me, and others it's been very painful. And in that mix is the question of where is our faith? What are you called to? What are you being commissioned to become? And I hold great hope and joy, not just because of the conversation with this young senior, but because of text in Galatians that's convoluted, I know, but it, it, the bottom line is there's a question of, no, not who's in and who's out, but all of us, that God is creating something much bigger that includes all. And so the table that we're going to set, that really God sets, is another example of our sacramental nature of inviting everybody in. Come to the table, for all is set. God has prepared that for each of us. And then we can step back and say, thank you. Thanks be to God. Where do we go? Amen.